Hey everyone, how are you doing? I'm Dr. Wendy Myers. Welcome to the Myers Detox Podcast. On this show, we talk about everything related to heavy metal and chemical detoxification, and also any kind of topic that's going to help you to upgrade your health. My goal is to give you those little pieces of the puzzle, give you those aha moments to help you, you know, achieve the health that you want and deserve. Uh, today, we have Dr. David Friedman on the show, and he's amazing. He's so funny. He's a doctor, he's a comedian, he's an author, he's a speaker. Um, he has over 2,000 podcast shows for his own podcast, and he's going to talk about his new book, Funny Bones, today and how laughter is the best medicine. And I totally agree with him. I, I've definitely had periods in my life where I've been depressed and I would just turn on the you know, Comedy Central or go to a comedy show, and it just really helped me get through those tough times. But it, there's also a lot of research that shows that laughter helps us to overcome pain. And just uh, Dr. Friedman talks about a lot of this research. Uh, it's super, super interesting. This is a really funny show. So stay tuned. You don't want to miss it. And I, I know you guys listening to this show are, you know, you're looking for solutions to your health issues. And I've, you know, been researching the last few years about emotional trauma and how emotional trauma contributes to physical health issues and not only, but mental health issues as well. And in my own personal journey, you know, I've been looking to, you know, be my best mentally have the, you know, I want to wake up feeling peace and love and joy and create more love in my life. And for me, that, that last kind of missing piece to get to that pinnacle, to get to Mount Everest of my mental and physical health was addressing emotional trauma. And in all this research, I developed a program called the Emotional Detox Program. It's a 30-hour course, and it's really the work that I feel like I'm most proud of. And I want to, you know, introduce you to this work. So I, I did a little webinar. You can register at that webinar at uh, emo-detox.com, E-M-O-D-E-T-O-X.com. And I, I created this emotional detox masterclass. So you can learn about um, all this research and just kind of get an overview of what to expect you to learn um, on this program. So go check it out. You're going to be glad you did it. It is worth your time and investment. And so on the show today, Dr. David Friedman, um, he is the international award-winning number one best-selling author of Food Sanity. Um, it's a fantastic book. And he's a doctor of naturopathy, clinical nutritionist, chiropractic neurologist, and part-time comedian. He's also a board-certified alternative medical practitioner and board certified in integrative medicine. And he received a postdoctorate certification from Harvard Medical School and is a former teacher of neurology and author of the College Neuroanatomy textbook, Understanding the Nervous System. Dr. Friedman is a contributing writer for many leading magazines, including US News and World Report, Newsweek, Reader's Digest, Healthy Living, and Women's Day. He's been a guest on over 100 syndicated radio and television shows, including CBS Inside Edition, ABC's The List, Fox News, NBC News, Discovery Health, and TLC, The Learning Channel. Friedman's list of clients has included many top celebrities like John Travolta, Jenny McCarthy, Jamie Lee Curtis, Val Kilmer, and Paul Newman. He's also the health expert for Lifetime Television's syndicated morning show and host of To Your Good Health Radio. And Dr. Friedman helps millions with solutions to everyday health and wellness issues. And uh, E. 
each show features interviews with world-renowned doctors, celebrities, sports figures, and New York Times bestselling authors, whom all share one common goal, finding a healthy lifestyle in the unhealthiest developed country in the world, the good old USA. So you can learn more about Dr. Friedman and his amazing book, his new book, funnybonesbook.com. Dr. Friedman, thank you so much for coming on the show. Great to be here. Appreciate the invite. Yeah. So why don't you talk to us about like why you wrote three serious health books and now you have the number one comedy book on Amazon right now called Funny Bones. So what made you want to write that? Well, you know, Hippocrates, the father of medicine said uh, food is medicine. So I said, you know, I'm going to write a book on food. So I wrote a bestseller, Food Sanity, which dove into all the diet. And then I read about this renowned surgeon from the 13th century that said uh, his name was Dr. Mendelvey. He said, laughter is the best medicine. So I said, you know, I'm going to write the ultimate LOL prescription for laughter. And that's how Funny Bones came out. And I'm now known as the only holistic doctor that still leaves his patients in stitches. Yeah. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah. And so, and you have an amazing Facebook group. Um, it's called like food sanity is the name yes. of the Facebook group. Correct. And I just, I'm, I've been in your group for quite some time and I just, you always have the funniest posts and I get so entertained by it. And I'm not an easy audience either, uh, <laughs> but I'm, I'm seriously, but I am very entertained by all the, the thousands of food jokes that you, you come up with. It's just really fun. And they just pull out of the air. What's so neat about humor is, is people remember things better with humor. So I throw a little humor in there. And in the 1980s, I wrote a neuroanatomy book. I actually taught neurology. And 35 years later, I still have doctors come to me and say, you know, I pass the boards because of your funny humor about the sides of the brain and the mnemonics and the silly banter. And it really does show science shows you remember better when it's funny. And let's just be honest, you know, we all gravitate toward humor. Serious radio has it's, it's 13 comedy channels. There's only five for classic rock and there's only four for jazz. So if you look at that, it's like no matter what race you are, religion, sex, gender, we love to laugh. And we yeah. do so when we're little babies. Before we even speak, we we giggle when we're two weeks old. So it's ingrained within us. Yeah. And so you say laughter is the best, best medicine. What's the science to back that up? Yeah, it was interesting. I saw it like there's so many different sciences out there that that uh, shows the different ones. Uh, one of them that, that I love was the immune system. Everybody's doing the echinacea tea and the vitamin C, but forego that. You want to get the book Funny Bones or watch the comedy channel because science shows, I think it was the, the Journal of Rheumatology says that it increases antibodies, decreases inflammation. Then there was the International of Molecular Medicine that showed it increased the killer cells, which combats cancer. It actually destroys cancer cells. Uh, what do they say? The number one disease is heart disease. They say we got to diet better, eat better, exercise. No, we need more knock-knock jokes because the International of, of <laughs> Cardiology said it actually helps decrease your risk of heart attacks if you laugh. It increases the integrity of the arterial walls. And I mean, study after, I love the brain health one. They have actually done, it was the Journal of Behavioral Neurology that did studies. It was CAT scans and MRIs before and after showing that it increases brain health after somebody watches an hour and a half comedy. So they actually see proof in the brain. And as we mentioned, we learn better through it. So and somebody said, and there's one I love, Vanderbilt University found that laughter makes you lose weight. You lose up to 40 calories from laughing at a joke. So forget counting calories, forget counting steps you walk every day. Count how many times you laugh. 
So really, I was astounded by so much studies out there. And, you know, I didn't know these studies. I've been doing this 30 years, but now I'm, I'm seeing hundreds and hundreds of science that laughter really is the best medicine. Yeah. I mean, I used to watch hours and hours of Comedy Central. I actually used to spend a lot of time doing that and going to the comedy shows and I live in Los Angeles. And I just, uh, I was just, you know, just gravitated towards that and toward laughing. And so- yeah. uh, and, and get this, so, so 22nd belly laugh is the equivalent of doing 100 sit-ups. Huh. And wow. it's the core muscle, so it's deeper. You actually get that deep core workout, not just the external. So forget the gym. Get get, get funny bones. Go watch the comedy channel. I laugh. You're actually burning more, more in the gut than you do by doing sit-ups. Yeah, it tells us what's in your book, Funny Bones. So what is some of the stuff that we're going to learn in your book? Oh, it's basically uh, true tales from my office in 30 years. So you're going to hear uh, the patient stories, anecdotes, wise cracks, puns. As you know, I'm a punny guy. And I think I'm such a punny guy. When my mom found out she was pregnant, the doctor said, ma'am, you've got a pun in the oven. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I, everything's fair game. We have a married couple to children, to the hearing impaired, to the, the Southern talk, to celebrity patients that I've, I've treated over the years. It's just a lot of fun. And it's just 30, easy read, quick. It was fun. My food sanity took me six years of thousands of science. And this is just fun. No science. It just gets right to the aha, aha moments. <laughs> yeah, well, what's up, what are some of the funniest things that you've heard from patients regarding like their, like their diet or weight loss or exercise? So many of them. Uh, one of my favorites in the book I talk about is a lady that had carpal tunnel syndrome. And I recommend that she takes vitamin B6, which is really good. It's excellent. Take it at night. And it really helps in the morning. You get less numb. So she comes back in in two weeks. I said, how, how are you doing with the carpal tunnel? Did you take the B6? She says, I'm mad at you, Dr. Friedman. I said, why? She says, I took the B6. I was up all night. I couldn't sleep. And my wrist, no difference. I said, that's impossible. B6 helps you sleep. What brand did you take? And she said, oh, I didn't have to buy a brand. I already had B12 at home. I just cut it in half. I said, that's not a B6. That's a B12. It'll keep you up all night. She said, you'd understand me. I didn't take a B12. I took a B6. I cut it in half. Well, she's good at math, but <laughs> that was one of my favorites. The math wow. works, but that's not, not that. So good. I, and one lady, she, she I, you know, every time I have to weigh somebody, I, I hear the most common four words. Do I have to? But not one lady. She just hopped right up on the scale and I'm weighing her. And to my shock, she weighed only 80 pounds. I looked down, I said, both legs, please. <laughs> <laughs> and she was funny. She says, Doc, you got to help me. She said, uh, uh, I gained so much weight since I got married 20 years ago. My husband weighs the same. And we walk down the street together. We look like the number 10. <laughs> <laughs> So there's a few of them, but yeah, it's, it's, it's funny. <laughs> uh, what are, what about some of the celebrity stories? Cause you worked with like Jenny McCarthy and with like Paul Newman and it's, yeah. tell us like, what's, what's one of your favorite ones? Oh God. There's so, so many. One of my favorite one was the uh, actor and singer meatloaf. He was filming a movie in mm. town called black dog with Patrick's ways. He was co-starring. And one day I got a message that he wanted to come in after hours for treatment. So I said to my, my manager, I said, I'll be staying late for meatloaf today. And she scratched her head. She says, here at the clinic? I said, yeah. She says, uh, uh, it'll be, I 
said, it'll be about seven o'clock after we close. She says, you being such a health nut, I didn't think you were a fan. And I said, yeah, I grew up in the 80s. Meatloaf was a big part of that decade. And she said, what's so great about plain old meatloaf? (laughs) (laughs) I said, let me sleep on it. I'll give you the answer in the morning. And she said, you can't tell me now. I said, oh, and also two out of three ain't bad. And with a total frustrated look, she put her hand in the air and she says, just forget I asked. I hope you enjoy your dinner. And she walked off. (laughs) Obviously, she didn't know who meatloaf was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a cute little story. So that's good. And then, oh, I love the one with Andy McDowell. She was filming with Harvey Keitel at Orton Plantation, which was in the heat of the summer, mosquitoes. I'm carrying my table, set it up in Andy McDowell's trailer. She comes walking in eloquent and shy, and she goes to lay on the table for treatment, and she had toilet paper dangling out of her shoe. Now, am I gonna am I gonna am, am I gonna tell her she's the main actress? I'm like, no, I'm not telling her. So I packed up and I'm going to leave and Harvey Keitel walks past. He too has toilet paper dangling from his shoe. So I went up to the set medic. I said, why is nobody telling the two main actors that they got toilet paper hanging from their shoe? And she laughed so hard. She says, that's not toilet paper. Those are bounce dryer sheets. They repel mosquitoes. (laughs) (laughs) Who knew? Not I who had to go home and put calamine lotion on my hands because I didn't know this little factoid, but (laughs) thinking they had toilet paper dangling and it was bounce sheets. So I did learn. So, hey, out there, if you ever have outside and you need mosquito repellent, put the bounce sheet in your pocket. Oh, mosquitoes wow. Mosquitoes they, repel, they repel your hormones, too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's what keeps mosquitoes away. They're like, oh, yeah. that, she's cranky. I'm not going near her. She's yeah. going to swap me. <laughs> so what are some stories of like, is it like married couples that have come that you've treated? Oh, married. I, I love the one guy comes in and he and he's he's tense. He says, I'm having a tough time at home. Works just tense as you're laying there. And I said, look, buddy, you got to relax. Your neck's too tight. I can't work on you. Visualize. Think of the beach. And he got tighter, tighter. I says, why'd your neck just tighten up even more? He said, you told me to think of my wife. I said, <laughs> no, I said, beach, beach. <laughs> And let's see, there's a, there's a, so many, you know, with married banter. And uh, oh, one guy says, uh, he says, uh, he, I'm ch- checking him for uh, blood pressure. And I said, your blood pressure's high. Is it running in the family? He goes, yes. I go, is it your mother's side or your father's side? He said, neither. It's my wife's side. I said, you can't get blood pressure from your wife's family. He said, you haven't met them. <laughs> <laughs> yes, oh, I no. can. <laughs> And so what do you so you're a practical joker. You like to play jokes on people. So what are some of the practical jokes that you paid, played on your patients? One of them, it wasn't planned. This guy named Bill comes in and he brings his friend who's never been to a chiropractor, wanted to see a, an adjustment. And he says, I've been looking forward to this. Bill brags about you. So Bill lays on the table and I get my finger and I flick him one time on the ear. And I said, We're done. Nice to meet you. I said to his friend, and I walk out and he goes, he just flicked you in the ear. And Bill gets up. He goes, oh, my God, I feel. But look, I could turn my head. He didn't just flick me in the ear. He went 12 years of college to learn the exact angle. This guy's a lifesaver. So they walk up front. He pays him. He goes, you're paying him to flick you in the ear? He goes, oh, worth it, man. He saved me from surgery. So he gets out to the car, and then he tells the guy it's a joke, and they come back in. <laughs> <laughs> and then his friend comes in, and he calls me his, his flickapractor. So that's his new naked nickname for it, but that was one. And then the best one that was played on me was Robin Williams, the actor. Uh, he wasn't his old talkative self. I was working on with Patch Adams, the name of the movie. And he points to his neck. He lays on his back, and I 
adjust him. And I feel, I feel this crunch of his neck, the loudest I've ever, he falls to the ground and he's convulsing goes, I think you broke my neck. You broke my neck. I can't feel the side of my body. And I'm like, Oh my God, what, what did I just do? I'm panicking. And he laughed. He put his tongue out. He had bitten a peppermint at the exact time I turned his neck and got me. He goes, gotcha. And I'm like, <laughs> so, so after oh, the God. fear wore off, there was some laughter, tears rolling down my pants. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love Robin. So, Robin Owens is my favorite. He's my uh, absolute favorite comedian of all time. He's such a great guy. And actually the show Patch Adams is what he, he inspired me. I've been doing using laughter for 30 years, but it wasn't until 25 years ago when I learned about the Golden Globe nominated uh, picture Patch Adams, which Robin Williams starred in. And it showed me that you don't have to compromise your skills as a doctor by bringing friendliness, uh, 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 laughter, and bonding with patients. So that's when I really took a turn. I started doing magic tricks to patients. It was called Magic Monday, and all patients would come in and bring their kids. But I got to thank uh, Patch Adams. He was on my show about six months ago. And I got to thank him personally for inspiring me to show that, you know, life is just too stoked. These doctors are like robots. They don't care. They don't bond. They don't, they don't, they're not, you want a doctor that's your friend. And I think that's what laughter does. It brings down that wall and it's like, wow. He made me laugh. We're friends now. And that's the key with getting better. It's not just the skills. It's also your uh, bedside manner, your, your ability to bond with patients. I think that's what we're missing. Yeah. I always felt like, you know, when doctors go to school for so long, it's almost like they purge their personality or like they yeah. uh, maybe <clears throat> spent so many of their formative years not socializing because they were in medical school. I always wonder like what's going on there. Like why, why do so many doctors have trouble connecting uh, with their patients on maybe on an, an emotional level? Maybe that's not their job or whatever, but, but it's nice. It's a breath of fresh air to have someone that you feel like really cares. Like it's, a, it's like, um, it's like a surprise or a bonus when I, yeah. you know, I've met doctors that really can like connect with you on some level as like a friend or emotional. Yeah, I, you bring up something. I remember there was a, a psychiatrist in, in California that had practiced for 25 years and they found out he was never licensed. He was practicing without a license. So he was thrown out, out and they had going to do a class action lawsuit against him and they called all his patients to sue him and they said, absolutely not. He saved me through a marriage. He saved me through suicide. He saved me this. Best guy. They couldn't find one person because, as you said, maybe it's because he didn't go to medical school. Yeah. Maybe he had that ability to bond and be friendly. Where you're right, where everyone else that goes is so stoic. But I thought that was interesting. None of his quote patients wanted to go after him because he did such a great job. He binded with them yeah. better than if he had a medical doctor degree. So that's kind of cool. Yes, yes. And so, so what advice can you give listeners who are, you know, they're, they're stressed out or they've forgotten how to laugh or it's just not, not really a part of their lives at this point? Yeah, such a good question. And that's really why I'm on a mission. Uh, I had a patient come in late in the day. I always see him in the mornings. I said, what are you doing here so late? He said, Doc, I just had to know once and for all, are you this happy and cheerful and energized at the end of the day as you are in the beginning of the day? And to his shock, I was more energized because I'm awake at the end of the day and happy and goofing off. And he said, I don't get it. He said, do you ever have a bad day, Dr. Friedman? And I let him know I get bad news and I deal with struggles and hardships just like everybody else. And here's the difference. I don't let them define me. 
The same boiling water that softens a potato also hardens an egg. It's all about what you're made of, not the circumstances that determine whether or not you have a good day or not. And here's the great news. People say, but I'm in a bad mood. I just lost my job. I, I got this. Doesn't matter. You can fake it till you partake in it. That's my coin frame. Faking it till you partake in it because your brain doesn't know the difference. If you pretend to be happy, if you giggle and you laugh, your brain produces the same neuropeptides that reduce stress. Then you get the cascade of the neurotransmitters, the dopamine, you get the endorphins and you become happy. So you just fake it till you partake it. So people say I'm in a bad mood and I've done it. I've walked in and ask any of my patients in 30 years, ask any, have they ever, ever seen me? in a bad mood or not smiling and happy any in ask him if one day in one hour and one minute i will tell you right now they've never and i can't tell you i've had great days for 30 years i've had the losses i've had deaths i've had stress i've had the legal issue I, i've had and i walk in because in 20 minutes i'm faking it and then i'm happy i'm happy I fooled my brain and now i'm happy and all those stresses go away so the key is that's the key is times are tough. Don't focus on those. Laugh. Tell us a funny story. Turn on the comedy channel and your mood will shift. Your health will shift and you'll be so thankful for today instead of waking up, not looking forward to today. Yeah. And you have a choice. You have a choice about how to show up in the world, how to be present, how to interact with people. And it, you know, I, I think people kind of lose sight of that, that they do have mm -hmm. a choice and that they, they aren't a victim to their biology or the chemicals that are going on in their body. And they just, they do have a choice. True. And you know, your attitude has a lot to do with sickness. I, I get patients, I'll be honest, I'll get a patient coming in and 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 he's saying, Oh, I'm never gonna get better and this and that, and it's this and that. I've tried this and that. And his negative attitude, I know right there, I've been long enough to where he's not gonna get better. Yeah. He's not, and I'm almost to wasting my time. I'll try to break that barrier, but if we can't shift his mindset, he's not gonna get better no matter what skills I give him. But because he's so negative, so into the net, the, the wise me, and I'm gonna die. That, that. So I, and when I see people that are struggling and hurting and they have that positive attitude and they glow when I tell them I can help them, they get better. They get better because they want to. They accept it. They don't live in that torment and stress. And people, some people love it. They have to be around drama. They have to have to. They 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 don't function. And I hate that because I can't uh, I can't conceive of that because it's so unlike me. Yeah, I mean, we are very powerful manifestors. I mean, if you believe something that you're correct, if you if you don't believe you're going to get better, you're correct. If you think there's a glimmer of hope and that you are you can participate in a recovery, you're also correct. But yeah, people can be their biggest roadblocks to to improve. Yeah, their health. I remember reading about this guy that was diagnosed with terminal cancer. He was told six months to live, and by golly, I don't know how they do it, but they were right on pretty close to about six months, and and he got his affairs in order, like they said, and he died. And they did an autopsy and found out he was a healthy person. He did not have cancer. He was misdiagnosed, but he was so prepared here mentally, physically, emotionally to die that he convinced his body that he was going to die in six months. And he did. So the opposite can happen. I interviewed John Tesh. I just interviewed uh, uh, John Hamilton. All these all these famous people that come forward that were told they're going to die of uh, Scott Hamilton. Uh, all these people that said they were going to die. And they use humor. Scott Hamilton did a whole thing. He says they had joke night. He's here. He is diagnosed with terminal. And he's joking and laughing. And John Tesh said the same thing. And they survived. And I mean, terminal cancer. They were given John Tesh was told you got 16 months. You're not going to make it.
And he made it. And I asked him, I said, what's the secret? He said, humor. Focusing on faith, focusing on laughter and friendship, the good part, not the negative, always me, I'm going to die. So I, I think there really is something. And I think that's why, you know, it's so neat to become this mission statement of laughter and, and happy, especially now. You get so many people, so they're afraid to laugh now. It's it's awful. I had 21 pages of, of funny bones caught, cut out because, it, well, you can't say that anymore. I'm like, really? It's funny. It's cute. Can't say it. And so I'm going to have for the few that I know that are cool, I'm going to give them the uh, unedited, <laughs> unedited version because they're cute little stories. I don't, but hey, it is what it is. But we need to unwind a little bit and we need to learn how to laugh again. Yeah. And people do get really scared. Like when they get a diagnosis or they're dealing with a health issue, people get very, very frightened. I mean, I do, or they have a lot of anxiety around it. I mean, I, I do heavy metals testing, which you think is really, you know, they've got some metals and they can detox them, but people get really frightened about their results or what that means for them or what they're going to do about it. And, you know, people have a lot of power. They have control over their health. Well, that's because you scare them because you're telling them they got Metallica and Ozzy Osbourne in their head. <laughs> they don't want this heavy metal. Some of these, you know, they're older. They don't like the the thinking of heavy metal in their head. You know, Black Sabbath. I mean, that's too much for them. Yeah, the Metallica. <laughs> <laughs> and so you wrote an awesome book called uh, Food Sanity. And this is a best-selling book and has been for a while. And so you really, you share about how to eat healthfully. And uh, you talk about fad diets, like the vegan, keto, paleo, or, you know, keto, intermittent fasting. Uh, you talk about how humorous they are. Can you go into a little about that? Yeah. So it's funny, you know, the Sputang was a serious book where I really explored it, but then I'm at the funny bones era and I get to laugh because they are funny. I mean, look at the intermittent fasting diet. They teach you how to extend the window you don't eat to 16 hours. That's nothing new. My parents had a name for that. They called it skipping breakfast. It's not rocket science. Science. Twi- there was a Twiggy diet in the 70s. Yeah, it's like, you know, oh, we got to teach you in that books and <clears throat> get all these authors. You got to extend your time you don't eat. It's skip breakfast. Okay, so they're there. And then uh, the, the paleo diet. Paleo diet is, uh, you know, interesting because they say eat like a caveman. We got to eat like our caveman ancestors. So when I heard about that diet, I'm looking for this uh, paleo diet book that's going to show me how to saute a saber-toothed tiger. I couldn't find it. Instead, I found steak and hamburgers, the big food that they recommend. And I'm like, well, wait a minute. That's from a cow. Did our Paleolithic hunters get the spear and go out and hunt lazy grazing cows? Can you imagine <laughs> Can you imagine that when, honey, I'm home. I, I went hunting and caught us a cow, but you've only been gone 10 minutes. Uh, it would have been quicker, but I stubbed my toe. <laughs> and then here's a funny, so paleo, you, you can't drink the milk of a cow, as you know, that's a no-no but you can eat the meat from a cow. And I've never understood that. Maybe they found out back in the caveman days that, you know, milk caused you to, to blow air out of your dairy air. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why it's off limits. And then uh, the keto diet, you've talked about this on, on, on your show. So it's funny how the keto diet, got to get into ketosis, which creates autophagy. That's the goal. Let's break down the word autophagy. Phagy means eat, auto means self. It means to eat the self. So let's just call it what it really is. It's the self cannibalizing diet. You're starving yourself. So you got nothing else to do, but eat yourself. Now, will you lose weight on that diet? Yes, but it's going to literally cost you an arm and a leg. (laughs) (laughs) And and or your hormones. A lot of things, things, those hormones are so sensitive. A lot Uh, of things uh, knock those out. 
Well, you know, it's illegal to eat somebody else. That's that's go to jail, but we can eat ourselves. Where's the law for that? It's like, wait a minute. Well, I guess, you know, uh, attempted murder is illegal, but self-suicide's okay. I don't know. It's I guess if we eat ourselves, it's okay, but somebody else. So I always thought it's funny. And, you know, my view is this, you know, and the serious side of it is we don't need to eat our own fat. Would you cut a steak and get rid of the meat and just eat the fat of a steak? If that was your meal. I'm not a steak eater, but if you were a steak eater, would you cut the fat off and eat the fat and throw away the meat? No. Why would we eat the fat of our body for fuel? It's just, you know, if you look at it that it's, I like to eat healthy food for fuel. I'm not overweight. I don't have to go into that. Now I do agree. There's some good effects of it. Yes. It helps this and that I've done it, but to stay into ketosis is very difficult and it makes you become a mathematician. It makes you have to analyze your chemistry to eat. We didn't do that years ago. It makes food too complicated. It doesn't have to be counting calories and going to ketosis. And I don't know, dosis, ketosis is uh, getting me halitosis because my breast smells. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think it's very simple. Like when I'm hungry, I eat. Like right. it's like, you know, and I, but I just, you have to have balance. You know, I think there's any, when you have any kind of like extreme diets, you can get into trouble with that. I've always kind of yeah, had like I agree. Oh yeah, the, the alarm bells go off when I see any kind of extreme diets. When I was vegan for a minute, I tried it and I was like, I can't eat honey. Like really, like this is a joyless diet. That's just what. Oh yeah. You know, and I, I I tried it for a little while just to try it on for size. You know, a lot of us experiment with different diets, and I'm like, this is just no joy in this diet at all. No, and then I, I, then, I, I yeah, then my I brain stopped working. I couldn't, yeah. think I couldn't oh, yeah. remember yeah. anything. It was amazing. I dabbled in it too. I did it. So my prediction, cause I've studied diets. I've studied the serious sides and here's my prediction of the next fad diet. It's going to be a combination between vegan and keto. It's going to be called the veto diet. You follow this by just rejecting any food that's good. <laughs> Just reject it. It's the veto diet, but you can't have water. That's that's approved though. So that's my prediction. And you know, now now that I've, I'm in the cop comedian side, uh, I'm looking and I'm noticing there's no such thing as a vegan comedian. Did you know that? Do you know why? Because instead of going on the stage making fun of people, they go on stage and they roast the vegetables. <laughs> <laughs> So, so yeah, so that's kind of, kind of the gist. And you know, got the weight loss. You've talked about that. I talk, but you know, the funny side of it is the weight loss, it's, it's mind over platter. Just load up the first time. Don't go back for seconds. There's my diet advice. Follow me for more dieting advice. Yeah. <laughs> mind over platter. Yes. And so what are the, what are the things that we'll like learn in the, your food sanity book? Like what kind of things can we expect in that book? Yeah. So food sanity, what I did is, 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 um, I wrote it because of my confusion. Like you, you've interviewed so many experts and scientists and authors. And, and you know, you know, this author and this expert opinions different from the last person. Complete contradiction from North to South Pole. And it's like I would hear one guy go, well, that's not what the last guy said, but you're making sense. But he makes sense, which is the truth. Uh, oatmeal was supposed to help lower blood sugar. That's what we learned for decades. And then they said, no, wait, wait, grains are bad. It spikes the blood sugar. Butter was bad. Oh, no, now it's good. Put it in your coffee. You'll lose weight. Like, put it in my coffee? It was bad. Milk makes a body strong, strong bones. Now it weakens. So I wrote Food Sanity to break through the culinary conundrum and answer the question, what are we supposed to eat? And that's what I do from chapter using a a common sense meets science approach. Common science, common sense. I'm I'm in the middle. And any study that I put in there 
was not paid for. That's the difference. And when I was reading the milk chapter, 95% of all the studies showing it does positive are paid for by the American Dairy Association. Mm. So I crossed those out. We can't study though. We can't trust those. And then you tap into your instinct. What does your body tell you you're supposed to eat? And the third thing I do in there, it's a three prong. One was the, the studies, one was your instinct, and the other one is biology. What were we designed to eat? Our saliva, our teeth, our gut chemically, what foods are better for us? Which ones should we kind of stay away from? So when you combine those three, you have a blueprint on what to eat. And that's what I did. Yeah, that's great because nutrition is so confusing to so many people. I mean, and it's great to try different diets and experiment and kind of see what works for your body. And it takes a minute to figure all that out. Uh, But yeah, I think people, people tend to follow different like gurus or people, you know, promoting the keto diet or the paleo diet or this or that, but they're, they're promoting the diet that works for their body, which may not necessarily be what works for you. So you have to kind of be careful with that as well. And you also, you get somebody who writes this book and it's like this big, aha, oh, beans are bad. Oh, but getting off beans, tomatoes are bad. Well, wait a minute. What about the hundreds of years of studies showing they're good? What about the people that live around the world that live to be 100, 110, 120 that are healthy? Guess what they have in common? They eat beans. How can beans cause us to get sick and die when the healthiest people, they have one thing in common, beans. So, you know, you see stuff like that. You, that's where the instincts come in, common sense. So, yeah, he's good throwing out a few of the studies, but let's face it, studies change weekly sometimes. You can't always study, you can't always trust the science. But when you look at a big picture, are beans bad? Are all grains bad? Yeah, we got the gluten craze. That's another That's another thing that I talk about in my book. But, you know, I, I personally don't think gluten's this, this devil that everybody thinks because we've been eating it for decades. It's only recently that we have a hard time with it. It's only recently. And people say, well, you know, 10,000 years ago, paleo people, that's when it changed. Bull. Science has proven we've been eating gluten for three and a half million years. The University of Utah did a study and found 40% of the diet of our caveman ancestors were barley, grains, gluten. Gluten, they found it in the teeth. We've been digesting gluten for millions of years. Don't blame gluten. It's not the issue. It's our ability to digest it. It's our microbiome. And as you talk about, it's the chemicals that we're being subjected to that make the microbiome now have a hard time with gluten now. Is gluten bad for some people? Yes. Can you be allergic to it? Yes. But if your gut is healthy and you don't have celiac disease, you can enjoy grains. You can. I got sick. And that's another topic. I think you know about my story. I was sick from water contamination. And for two years, I couldn't have gluten. So I do see it. My gut was sick. I healed my gut, detoxed my gut, cleansed my gut. Now I can eat gluten and not have to worry about it. But there was two years. It tore me up. Not the gluten's fault. It was my gut's fault. My gut was sick. And that's the thing I think. And I think when you get these fad diet books and, you know, you get the lectins and then then he comes out with an uh, uh, anti-lectin nutrition, pay me. I scared you to death about lectins, but I've got something that'll protect you by it. I'm like, whoa, there's that conflict of interest. So in my book, I have no conflict. I have no products. I have no bias. It's all 100% just opinion from this instincts, science and our biology. So I had no ulterior motive like a lot of people do when they write a book. Yeah. So it's a fantastic book, everyone. Highly, highly recommend Thank it. Because I know a lot of you guys out there are confused about diet and what to eat. And you've been told I'm scared about different food groups and things like that. But balance is key. So just alarm bells go off and things too extreme. True. So true. And yeah. you know, and, and dieting doesn't have to be, like you said, 
painful and and a mathematician. And now I got to add this up. It's like, here's something that people in my next book is strictly on weight loss. So I've got a whole, oh my God, you think food sanity wasn't deaf? I, I, explore the origin of obesity i explore what caused it when it caused i have the exact decade i have the exact year this spike went up and we cannot blame our genetics or we can't blame our genes for why we can't fit into our genes has nothing to do with it i always say if you can show me a picture of your great grandma or great grandpa and she was overweight blame it but if you look at these old pictures in the 1900s and 1800s they're all thin because 3% were overweight. Look at those old black and white pictures. Nobody's smiling. I don't know why, because they were thin. You'd think they'd be happy, but they're like this. And you see four <laughs> generations, right? And you, and I challenge you to find somebody that's overweight or obese. Look at a family portrait today. And I challenge you to find someone who's not overweight. Yeah, That's not easy. So so in the book, I do show how it is stuff we're being in contact with that, that, we're, that we're eating. So it's, it's not necessarily our food. See, people, oh, it's our food. Too much sugar, sugar, bull. Yeah. In the 1920s, we ate so much sugar. That's when candy bars came out. We've been eating sugar for 100 years like crazy. It's not the sugar. Is sugar bad for you? Absolutely. I think it's the worst thing you could do. And, and Funny Bones, I talk about this lady that came out with their, uh, her blood work. And she said, is there anything wrong with my blood work? And I said, your sugar's way too high. And she said, oh, so, so if I put it on the first shelf in the pantry, I'll be okay. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but the point is, is we ate hamburgers. We ate pizza. We ate lard. We ate junk. We weren't overweight then. It's not what it is. It's not food. It's what we're doing to our food. It's what we're wrapping our food in. It's what we're cooking our food in. It's what being done with sprayed on our food. It's the things around food. It's not food that's to blame. It can't be because we were thin then and yeah. we're not now. Something else is happening. So, yeah, so I, yeah I, I think that's the big, I think we're missing the picture about dieting. Every diet works. People say, which one works? I said, they all do. I don't care if you eat for your blood type, if you eat, if you eat all beef, if you go vegan, if you go Jenny Craig, you're going to lose weight. They all work. But come back a year, year and a half later, you've gained it back. Yeah. What's causing that? It's called obesogens. It's these chemicals that are making us fat. Science has proved it. It's touched upon very little. You know about this. It's the, uh, the endocrine disrupting chemicals. It wreaks havoc on our hormones. That's and that what makes... we talk about here on Myers Utahs. That yes. is what we talk about. 100%. 100%. That's the reason of the obesity epidemic. Yeah. And if you can address that, it, then you can have your food. And it's so funny how people, you know, they, they like to play the blame game, but it's it's how we process. It's 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 not about calorie counting, you know? Yeah. So yeah, so I think it's interesting. And even the uh, uh it was uh David Kershaw was the creator of Weight Watchers, and he was quoted in Time magazine that saying counting calories doesn't work. He said this, I've got it, copy. He said to have a hundred calorie apple and say it's equivalent to a hundred calorie cookie makes no sense. And that's why they changed it. They stopped doing just calorie counting and they change it. Do you know why all these last, last thing about diet, do you know why they all work initially? All diets work, all of it, because they do the same thing. They change your routine. They have you eating different foods, different times, different ways. And that changes your metabolism, changes your blood sugar. It all, it, it, it creates a variety and you lose weight. The problem is that becomes the norm. And bodybuilders will tell you if they're not growing, it's because they're doing legs every single Friday and they're doing arms every single Monday. They have to shift it and then they start to grow because the body gets stuck in routines. And when you alter it, you see great changes. Problem is these diets become routine and you gain the weight back. Why you gain it back? Obesogens. 
It's yeah. the chemicals that now say, aha, now we're back to her normal self. Let's go in and screw with the thyroid. Let's just screw with the hormones. Let's get this person back fat again like we want it. That's what these hormones want to do, as yeah. you all know. Yeah, and that's why you got to go in an infrared sauna and you can have that pasta. Yep. You can have that cookie. You don't have to worry about it so much. <clears throat> For me, I don't. I just eat whatever I want, you know, and I'm, awesome. I've turned 50 years old this year. Awesome. And I've been detoxing for over 10 years. And I'm just, it's really nice to be able to not worry about what I'm eating. Every single morsel I'm putting in my mouth, like I did 10 years ago. You know, like so many people, they're going to bed hungry. They're skipping breakfast. They're lowering their calories. They're skipping whole food groups, you know, you know, getting rid of the carbohydrates. And yes, those can, like you said, they can work for a minute and change things up. But, you know, it's it's a, it's a sucky way to live. So true. Oh, yes. It's so true. And, you know, it's it's like I don't remember uh, seeing any great grandparents carrying around a calculator before they ate. Mm-hmm. It's becoming this little science. Oh, got to go pee and see, see, see where my chemistry is. Oh, I got to take some blood. No, as you said, if, if you just eat healthy, avoid these other chemicals and there's other things. So I think the food's important. I always say my quick diet is it's called the, uh, the white loss diet, white, stay away from white. If it's white, keep it out of sight. Simple. There you go. Just that rule. You're going to get rid of white processed sugar, white processed flour, white processed salt. Stay away from the corn, stay away from the white milk, those and whatever they're made from. Guess what? You lose weight, you get more energy and it balances your hormones because all these are processed junk. They make your body hungry. Now, people say, Doc, you just covered everything I eat. I can't have salt, sugar. Yeah, you can. There's just healthier ways. You can go with uh, salt. We need salt. 70% of our body salt water when we cry our tears are salty. To say salt's bad is ridiculous. We I mean, that is just insanity. It is just so crazy that doctors are <laughs> recommending this to their patients. Yeah, but there's a good healthy kind of salt. I like the Hawaiian black lava salt because mm-hmm. it's got 85 minerals. Guess what it does? It satisfies your cells, makes you eat less, you lose weight, you crave less food because it's got minerals. Get rid of these minerals in white table salt. It makes you hungry. Guess who knows it makes you hungry? Movie theaters. That's why they salt the popcorn. They want you coming back for jujubes and a Coke because it makes you crave, not broccoli, it makes you crave carbs and sugar. When you have too much salt, you always had that craving and they know this. So flour, same thing. You can do buckwheat flour. You can do cashew flour. There's so many different healthy alternatives where you don't have to avoid the sugar. Just go with something sweet that's healthy. I don't think our creator made a mistake with a sweet tooth here. I think we like sweets. It's not a mistake. Don't say, oh, the sweet is the is the devil. No, it's sugar. White processed sugar is bad for you. There's other alternatives. You got the stevia, the monk fruit, the list goes on. But, you know, it's funny how, so you can still eat everything you love. Just do it the unprocessed white clear way. Olivia Newton-John was on my show and she said something that really stuck with me. She said, you know, I have a makeup line and you'll never see any of my makeup. You'll never see any of my lotions that are pure white because in nature, that's not normal. You're going to see little offsets in gray. I said, wow, I never thought of that. She said, if you see pure white lotion that you're putting on there, that was bleached. And I'll never forget that. And it's kind of so true when you look at the The sugar and the salt, it's never pure, pure white in nature. Only when they bleach it. Table salt's pure white. Sugar's pure white. See what I'm saying? Flour's pure white, but it's not from nature. It's only when man screws with it. Or they add titanium dioxide. Bingo. Oh, yeah. Oh, Oh, yeah. And all the other stuff. 
Yes. Yum. Yes. Well, <laughs> Dr. Friedman, thank you so much for coming on oh, the show. You're always such a breath of fresh air. And I, I really encourage people to get his books, uh, join his Facebook group and just and laugh your butt off. So where can we find your books and, and your work, your website? Yeah, for the uh, website, you can go to drdavidfriedman.com. And for the new book, Funny Bones, it's funnybonesbook.com. And you can see my theatrical trailers and some of the wonderful, wonderful testimonials, endorsements we've gotten that really are helping my mission. All proceeds go to the Laughter Saves Life Foundation. So while you're getting that healthy giggles and laughs, you're helping people that don't have a lot of reason to laugh. So I'm really excited about partnering with them. They really help. A great organization. They started after 9-11. They were helping the firemen that were injured, and they've continued on with first responders. So it's really exciting to be able to have laughter and healing in the same. So it's uh, funnybonesbook.com. Get your copy and it's an easy read, fun. It's not analytical. You can put it down, read the last page, the first page. It's just, just grab it when you want, get a few laughs. Okay, fantastic. Well, Dr. Freeman, thanks for coming on the show. Everyone, I'm Dr. Wendy Myers, and you can go on my site, myersdetox.com, to learn all about detoxification. There's hundreds of free articles and podcasts on there uh, for you to peruse through. So thanks for tuning into the show, and I'll talk to you guys next week. The Myers Detox Podcast is created and hosted by Wendy Myers. This podcast is for information purposes only. Statements and views expressed on this podcast are not medical advice. This podcast, including Wendy Myers and the producers, disclaim responsibility for any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own, and this podcast does not endorse or accept responsibility for statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. Individuals on this podcast may have direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to herein. If you think you have a medical problem, consult a licensed physician.